All right, welcome back to another episode of Other Duties of Science. Scott and I have a special edition here this week. It's just going to be us, and we're going to talk a little bit about convention and the, you know, the schedule that, at least the most updated schedule that we have right now. I know that some things are are going to change and that are subject to change, uh, but we wanted to at least touch on this and really kind of dig into a little bit about what we hope to see out of of some of these workshops and these different sessions, and uh, just kind of break it down a little bit, but. Scott, let's let's at least talk about you know when they're planning to start this. So it looks like you know Monday through Thursday, the seventh of June through the tenth. You know, it's kind of the best time. It seems like that's right in that same time frame where they they have you know our normal in person convention. Uh, but what do you what are you thinking about you know virtual convention and how that's going to be different for for you guys this year? Yeah, I think it's going to be weird, of course. And um, we all know uh, through our own meetings and everything we've had to do in athletic departments this past year with, with COVID, there's going to be some technical difficulties. It's to be expected. It's fine. Um, I just, there's, it's not going to feel the same way as a normal convention with, you know, you're sitting there with your buddies and you're seeing people maybe you haven't seen in a while because you've moved on to other universities. But It'll uh, hopefully still be educational. Hopefully, we'll still get some good stuff out of it. We'll get our CEUs, which is important, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be fine. It's it's. I think it's a week later than what it's usually been in person, which is fine with me because it doesn't fall on my anniversary this year. Uh, hey, hey. But other than that, yeah, it's going to be a, a good few days. There's plenty of things packed in here that I think are going to be valuable and. For you young guys who, you know, started listening to us but haven't been to a convention, you know, we didn't have one last year, so we really didn't have anything to talk about. Um, but, yeah, it's just a good experience for you to connect with other people in the industry. Um, if you're, you know, with your boss who's who's been in a few different institutions, buddy up with them and make sure you go and do that networking as they visit people that they haven't seen in a while. And it helps you build your own connections and, you know, go to the workshops, go learn something. You never know what vendors you're going to make contact with that two years from now you're going to need something and remember that they sold it. So, good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, uh, it's a good point. It's, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that obviously, you know, this is, I think the biggest part of, of doing this online and this virtual convention is really to kind of keep up with CEUs and, and help you guys maintain your, your certifications and just, really try to help that you know the community to to connect and and maybe learn some things you haven't heard yet from other people i know that there's we're not going to start it right now but there's a there's a couple workshops down you know maybe around tuesday and wednesday where we're really looking forward to to hearing what these guys have to say uh but let's at least you know kind of go down a little bit of the the schedule here you know your opening meeting uh executive board we're going to talk finances we're going to talk kind of the state of the the organization and just hopefully some some good news about what what's happening and where we're gonna see things going forward um but i'm i'm really interested to hear what happens in terms like the finances and where where the the whole organization stands and just (laughs) yeah if we're gonna be in the red or black this year because it seems like year after year we end up kind of losing money yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see coming out of COVID and with no convention last year, and this one's virtual. That being said, like you figure your costs are low with a virtual convention, but at the same time, the price of convention is also lower. Um, how many schools are not paying for their equipment managers that they keep on staff to, to do these conventions? So guys are skipping. How many guys have found you know CEUs and in other ways that they didn't need to, to necessarily attend convention or they got an extra year for it. So it'll be interesting to see what the finances look like with, with COVID budgets impacting athletics as a whole. And you know, how many when you think too, yeah, well you would think too the, the sponsorship side of it, you know, if you're yeah. not at convention, people aren't, you know, essentially giving money to us in order to be, you know, like a premier sponsor. So, that it definitely has to affect a lot of things. I know that there are going to be sponsors and they have been talking about sponsors and in the, in the different things that we're trying to do uh, for virtual convention. But I have a feeling that, you know, 
that this, the money side of that is going to be very different. So uh, mm-hmm. that at least will be interesting to see just where those, you know, the revenues are, what, what our expenses were this year. So um, not that I'm I'm not trying to say anything bad. I'm really not. <laughs> I, I really, I, I just want to see. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's, is, uh, this is an interesting time for all of us. And I just really am intrigued as to what this executive board meeting is going to be about. Cause there are so many changes and so many different things happening in the world right now, especially for us and the way that everybody's seasons went with, you know, being loaded up in the spring and just all of the different things that we all had to experience. It's going to be uh, very enlightening to, uh, to hear what, what the organization has planned. Absolutely. And after that, we've got, you know, really only one workshop so far uh, scheduled for that opening night, which is pretty normal. Um, I'd say, and that opening night on Monday the seventh, we've got our diversity in college athletics. Um, so that'll be that'll be something interesting. We can kind of piggyback the first one you've got the next day is women's women in equipment. Um, that one's going to be by Paige Scheinberg at Temple. So that'll be an interesting one, um, along with the diversity one. We've talked it on here, you know, extensively that you need more. Uh, women in the profession, you got more female sports than you do male sports and equipment managers and AMA is so heavily tipped in the opposite direction that it just doesn't really make sense. You got all these female sports. And while I think, you know, I've worked female sports, I know you've worked with female sports. I think yep. we can do a fine job as it, a bit of a fine job at it, but it's still, um, very, uh, disheartening i guess is the word i'm looking for when you see that there's all these females that are that are not given an opportunity in the profession or they just don't look for it know about it whatever i think a lot of us uh, start out as football equipment managers and then move into the other side of things if you if you end up there uh but most everybody's got football equipment on their resume and and you've got a few people who only worked olympic as students but um those are the minority and it's how do we bring in you know more of those students to either the Olympic side or the football side, but that are, um, you know, more diverse minorities in, in all facets, gender and, and race alike. Yeah. I mean, un- unfortunately this has for the longest time, been a male driven industry and, you know, we've talked about this a few times, a few different times, uh, with, with different guests that we've had on through the show and we would love to see it. You know, we, you and I have definitely talked about it. We want to s- support that, there should be more women working in this industry. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, maybe they're just not given the opportunities. Maybe they don't even know about the opportunities, but I'm hoping to see that shift come, uh, where it's, uh, it's hard to be like this, but where the, the industry is a little bit more inclusive for women. Well, and it's, it's, and I don't think anyone's making a conscious decision not to be, of course. And I don't think, it's just a matter of us doing more outreach probably. And it'll be interesting to see what Paige thinks about all of that. But it's, it's like, you know, nothing against these guys. We know they're doing working softball and they're, you know, they're men or they're working women's basketball. It's not that we think they're doing a bad job, but you can't tell me that there's not, you know, four or five little girls out there who, if you told them what the job is right now at UNC, you can work with the women's basketball program that they wouldn't be all excited about it. I don't Absolutely. know who the, it might be a woman. I'm sorry. I don't know who does women's basketball at UNC, but like you can't tell me that there's there. They wouldn't be excited about those opportunities if we're doing our proper outreach and, and bringing the, them into the fold because yeah, that's, that's just the case. I mean, there's plenty of female sports. Girls love female sports and um, they, uh, I mean, they play them at the collegiate level, obviously. So, so it just, it's a little weird that you've got more female athletes a lot of uh, women in athletics across the board, whether it be sports information, athletic training, different uh, compliance offices, recruiting, all that stuff. It's just the one area. It seems like it's really only almost only men is, is equipment. And so we just got to be conscious of that and, and try to figure out where that discrepancy is and how we can tilt the scales a little bit. Absolutely. Our next one is a fan favorite guest of the show did an amazing job on the show with us, but I'm very much looking forward to this. And I know he's not going to give up the secret sauce, but we're going to have 
Preston Stick Rogers coming on to talk about game ball prep. And I feel like, you know, unfortunately for everybody else, this might be the highest attendance in all of the different <laughs> workshops that are, they're going to happen here for uh, for this convention just because it seems like especially this year more than than years past I've you know we're seeing that trend of people wanting to to show off what they're doing with their footballs and how they're doing it and really it's not necessarily a competition but it's just fun seeing the back and forth with guys how they you know breaking their balls doing the before and after pictures so hearing hearing from from a guy like stick who you know, is one of the best in the business at doing what he does. Uh, that's going to be just a lot of fun. I don't know necessarily how he's going to fill an hour talking about uh, breaking in footballs, but I'm I'm very interested to to hear this, and hopefully there's going to be a lot of questions for him because uh, talking an hour of breaking in footballs is going to be whew, that's it. I'm, I'm really interested to see the questions Stick gets. But stick, I'm also really interested to see you dodge some of these questions because I, I want, know he's not going to give away too many secrets. I know I want won't. the secret. I want the secret sauce. That's all I'm saying. It's going to be um, it's going to be cool. stick. DM me on the side. I'm not in the industry anymore. I promise I won't share your secrets, but I need to know. He will never tell you. He'll never. Tell you. <laughs> he uh, no, that one's going to be interesting. Going to get to see you know get how Game Ball U does it, if you will, as he's as he's dubbed Mississippi State. But yeah, you're right. We've had a lot of people talking about balls more than more than ever this year with with the uh, Instagram accounts that that are doing balls. We had Dan on here and he talked about it a lot. How how he's you know seen balls done different ways that he has done it himself and seen others do it that he does does and doesn't prefer. Stick obviously came on here and talked about balls for for a good bit. So between that and all the student managers that are out there showing the love on Twitter with, with how, how they prepare their balls. And, you know, it seems like the equipment managers are adopting the pearls only, uh, uh, <laughs> attitude. I had a, my buddy actually is a uh, high school football coach and he called me last week. He, he'd already, he went and he's like, what mud do I need to buy? And I told him what mud we use and he just started working on it. So now we got high school coaches that are, that are here in the podcast or they're, Granted, they're, they're buddies with me, but he heard the podcast and he's seen all the stuff on Twitter. He had to get in on the fun. So it's definitely a, a trend that um, it's taken off a little bit. If, if you didn't know, now you know. You just you love to see it, though, because friendly competition between equipment managers is only going to make us all better. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be uh, no excuses. Maybe we'll see some deflate gate things start coming up for, for college athletics. But <laughs> otherwise, you know, the game balls are going to be on point, I think, across the board for all of us. Yeah, and I think I think you, the last thing you want with, with all the transfers happening right now with COVID and everything else, the last thing you want is a kid to come in from a different school and say that their balls are better. So everyone's stepping their game up. <laughs> yeah, that would be a that would be a dagger if if I had a kid come in and was just like, "What are you doing with your footballs?" I, I mean, can I just ask this, you know, my old equipment manager to to send me some because you're just not doing it right. Heartbreak, heartbreak. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, after stick, we're going to head into district meetings, um, and there's going to be a Noxy workshop later in the afternoon. But district meetings are always a really good opportunity to uh, speak with people in your district. Not everyone has uh, a get together, especially this year, with a uh, district meeting where you do it. Um, you know, I know District Two, Pat, you were part of that as well. We would meet um, in Baltimore, Annapolis, uh, kind of every year. And, yeah, Morgie did a great job with that, man. Yeah, Morgie, Morgie did a tremendous job. Shout out to Morgie at Navy. But they would usually host it there, and we would go to Orioles game or something if they were in town, go see those, usually lose, and then go. Uh, we'd get together. Vendors would come uh, and basically do a mini convention. You know, we'd, we'd get together in breakout sessions. We'd listen to vendors talk about products. Makes, I mean, I made purchases at these things, so – I mean, it's very beneficial from a business standpoint, but it's good to catch up with the, with the people in your area and get some CEUs and stuff done. So district meetings, you can't always do those. It's kind of hard if you're out there on the West Coast to get all those schools together, big districts as you, as you get off the East Coast. So district meetings are a good opportunity at AMA to kind of talk with people in your conference or at a conference above or below you, get to connect with people in the region. I mean, we always say it, and everyone that comes on is – yeah, you got to know what you know, but also who you know is is a huge thing in this industry. So 
convention is a great chance for you to broaden those, you know, who you know, right? So district meeting is good for that. And then, um, like I said, the workshop with Noxie after that with uh, Mike Oliver. He's going to break down some stuff for Noxie. Um, I'm not sure what he's going to talk about, but that's something that'll be really interesting, I think, to a lot of equipment managers. Is there going to be any changes to Noxie? Is there going to be just uh, any news on the horizon? But I think a lot of it will will probably be for good for these younger equipment managers to learn what Noxie is, what their purpose is, what they do, and, and why you need to care about them as an organization. Well, I think, you know, we had talked a little bit about this, and there is the potential for uh, Noxie coming down the line and, and wanting to have their certification process done for shoulder pads. And I don't know if or when that might happen, but I think it, it might pose a, an interesting discussion amongst equipment managers because, you know, what are their rules going to be? What are their guidelines going to be for certifying a shoulder pad and, and making it the same way they do for helmets in the, the same process? Right. right? So, you know, it's, I think it's worth, worth hearing about if they were to just say like, Hey, this might be coming down the line or having that discussion because yeah, you can, you can talk with the manufacturers all you want, but when it really comes down to it, nobody knows that product and the way it's performing better than the, than the equipment manager. I mean, they're dealing with these student athletes every day, getting feedback from the student athletes. So I think it's very much worthwhile to pose that question where, Hey, if we're going to do this. Is there anything that you guys specifically need or is there anything that you guys think, you know, any, any pad or something about the pad that, you know, you feel should be part of the certification process or the way it performs? Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, I I don't think as equipment managers, we'll see as much of an impact if that were to happen as these, the vendors will and the manufacturers. But I mean, does it drive up costs? You know, I mean, if you've got a, submit to testing is that if they're doing lab testing like we see for helmets at the nfl level and, and virginia tech and stuff like that if that's something that happens to shoulder pads is there a cost associated does shoulder pads get more expensive uh just because of increased technology that goes into them i mean helmets are not 200 bucks a helmet anymore you know i mean <laughs> you, you go buy a precision fit helmet or, or even something that's not precision fit just just the new vices or or uh, even an F7 that's not, you know, a, a custom fit F7, it's not 200 bucks anymore. Helmet technology's gone up, testing's gone up, so costs gone up. Is that going to happen to shoulder pads? We'll see. Um, well, yeah, but, exactly. I mean, it, it might change the landscape for that industry altogether. And yeah, I would, lo- I would have loved to have seen what Carbon Tech, how Carbon Tech would test out and something like that if they designed some testing. Yeah, RFP to Carbon Tech. We were both Carbon Tech fans, but the bring the it back, <laughs> bring it back. The end of the day, it's it may be a pain, and I'm not a vendor, I'm not a manufacturer, like I said, so they may have a completely different opinion. But if that's something that happens, if it makes shoulder pad companies adapt more than they already are, not trying to say they're not, but if, if the game gets safer, uh, the ends justify the means, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't be upset if it's making it safer and it's better for your student athletes and. As much as you know, a price increase would suck. I, I'm 100% with you on that. That would not be something that's so great for some of the tighter budgets out there. You know, like especially at like the D3, D2, even like the FCS yeah. level. Like your budgets yeah. are tight, especially coming out of COVID too. Where like you're seeing even more money cut from yeah. from all of these these well, schools and teams. How long do they keep older shoulder pads? How much longer do they keep them on the field than than they already are because budgets are tight? You know, then then diminishing returns to an extent there. But yeah, I mean, at, at some schools I've seen like you have a guy, you know, all your freshmen come in and they're getting a a brand new pair of shoulder pads, and a lot of these smaller schools and smaller budget schools are not able to do that, and it, you know, it, at all. You know, you you get a handful of, of shoulder pads, but a lot of your money seems to be spent on like helmets and in recon, right? Yeah. Recon alone. I mean, recon alone will set a, a small school budget back to the point where it's like, well, we can't, we got to keep like, if you're counting how many rejects you get, because it's like, are we going to have enough helmets to put on the field? You're at a small school and your budget is, uh, needs some work. 
you, you need to you need to get some more money in there because that's the thing. You should never have to to worry about how many helmets do I recon because I can't afford to lose three. You yeah, know? Exactly. But unfortunately that's that's kind of the, the situation you're in at some of these places. But moving on from Noxie, we'll see what happens with that one. Is another uh, former guest um, and Terry Hammond going to talk about some laundry principles on on that Wednesday, the opening meeting on Wednesday. Terry is is I'm sure gonna gonna talk the finer things of laundry technology and the science behind it, like he did on the pod. And uh, who knows? Maybe everyone that attends will get will get a sample of uh, <laughs> spectacle like we did. I'm just kidding, Terry. I know. I know you're not. I'm not trying to blow your promo budget right there, but that uh, that'll be that'll be a fun one to to be on and to listen to Terry talk and talk the finer points of laundry. Well, yeah, I mean, even when we had that discussion with him uh, when he came on, just talking about what you should be looking for and and the the best way to do laundry, the the small things like not overpacking your machines and yep. um, yeah, just the 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 tips and tricks of the trade and for a guy who's has been doing it for a long time and really knows the best way to to keep your whites white and get your uniforms as as clean and crispy as possible so yeah i um i've taken full advantage of the of the spectac samples that i've gotten <laughs> i i haven't posted a before and after but there was i i have the pictures i just haven't i haven't done it yet i got to do it for terry but um there i did some um like floor mats so i had like some white and blue floor mats that were just absolutely wrecked and I'll tell you, they came out looking almost brand spanking new and they're, they're not new. I'll just put it that way. So it's going to be uh, very informative for anybody, even the guys who have been doing this for a long time. I mean, there's always something new. There's some new technology. I think that they're coming out with Terry had mentioned that on the, on the podcast as well. And I think he's going to really get into to that and talk more about, you know, what, that's going to do to help us do our jobs better. Cause, uh, as any equipment manager knows, uh, unfortunately a good majority of our time, especially whenever you have teams in season is spent flipping some laundry over. So it's gonna be a yeah. good one. Anything that can save us time and, and get the stuff cleaner. So it's less washes. I mean, you may think that going down from three washes to two washes isn't a big deal, but if it's a uniform wash, I mean, you're talking about an hour and a half of your time. So it's a big deal be interesting to see what they've got coming down uh, moving on to the next one is equipment removal and spine boarding um, so we're going to have Dan Rickfield and Chad Brinkman from Minnesota State on that one I've heard these guys before um, pretty sure this is the two that, that did, a, did a joint athletic uh, trainer and equipment manager before but that'll be interesting to see um, the biggest thing from that that I think I can say for, for the young listeners is you, you might take something away from that that you're like, well, I'm never going to have to do this. Our athletic trainers handle all of that, and that's fine. But understand that there's a reason the athletic trainers are doing things the way they do it. And if you have an open discussion with your athletic trainer before the season begins, especially if you're new to a place or, or you've got a new athletic trainer, just so they understand basic things like athletic trainers may come in and just cut your shoulder pads right in the middle, right? Got to get oh. Got it. Uh, sometimes it's necessary, but if you're well, not just cutting the shoulder pad, but slicing the Jersey up too. Right. Right. So sometimes it's necessary. You got a kid neck stabilized. We got, you know, a potential serious injury. If you've got a, if you've got a uh, coach them up on, Hey, we've got the Riddell powers with the rib cord. You can just cut this and you're not ruining the shoulder pads forever. They don't know that that's not their job. They're there to keep athletes, you know, on the field rehabs, that kind of thing. They're not there to know the equipment inside and out like you are. Uh, likewise, hey, don't cut my jersey right up the middle. Can we cut it along the seams and pull it off like he's Clint Eastwood with a poncho? Like I got a funny, I got a funny story for that, by the way. So we'll, we'll definitely we'll get to that. But just what I'm saying is, you've got to take from this. Under we're going to learn the athletic training mindset when they go into spine boarding and when they've got to get equipment off. And I'm sure we'll hear it from from. Um, our equipment manager friend that's going to be helping out, but you've got to tell your athletic trainer this, I know you got to do this. Here's something you could do for me. That's small. Doesn't affect what you need to do for the athlete's safety, but it'll save us time as a program. So if that's not that serious and the kid's got to be on the field next week, he doesn't have to get a brand new Jersey. Cause you just put a zigzag cut right up between the numbers. Yeah. 
Well, there's, I mean, there's that. And I mean, every equipment manager knows that there's time whenever the, the training staffs working with their, their student managers or their, in, or their student trainers or interns where they're borrowing like an old pair of shoulder pads or an old helmet to practice cutting off a face mask or, you know, cutting off a, a, a set of shoulder pads to, you know, work on spine boarding a guy or, or just get more comfortable with it because it is not, you know, unfortunately it is something that does happen in the sport occasionally. And you got to know the best way to do it to, make sure you're being as safe as possible. Um, but right. to get, to get to my story. So we're at, um, when I'm at Richmond, we're at North Dakota state and, you know, I had a good relationship with the training staff there and guy fielding a punt and it was a, it was a little bouncer to him and he fields it, makes a cut slips, puts his arm down, puts his hand down and a guy's falling like right into his arm and he ends up unfortunately breaking his arm. And so, you know, they're, they're running out, stabilizing the arm. I think they air cast it right away and get them off the field and take them back to, to do x-rays. And to do that, they want to take, you know, jersey shoulder pads off. And they go pull out the shears to, to cut this jersey off. And the trainer, God bless her, I, she's, she's an amazing human being. I'm just going to say this. She goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Make sure you cut up the seams. We don't want to piss off our equipment manager. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I had a I had a trainer. We had a kid that similarly broke his arm right right around the elbow um, at an away game, and and uh, I get called over and I'm like, what's going on? They're like, hey, can you come in here? And it's into the medical tent, and they I go in with with uh, my assistant. This is at JMU, Mark, and and they just said, we know you've told us not to cut the middle. I've got his arm. Where do you want it? And they just give me the scissors and Mark. And I was like, Mark, hold his jersey. And we just cut up and we pull it off. We're like, you know, we got you getting up near the armpit. The kid's like, ah, they lift his arm a little bit. We're like, you're okay, buddy. You're okay. But it was nice that someone came and, and gave me the scissors and let me, let me do something there. It was like, we'll pull it right off. So it was an easy, easy fix. And that kid actually came back like three or four weeks later. He was a beast. But yeah, he was an absolute beast. They put the, the club on there and the kid came back. But that was one of those where it was, yeah, I'm glad we didn't have to make the kid a new jersey. Like we had him. We could have easily done it in two days, probably. You know, we for us, our process was just get the numbers on there and have our seams just sewn down. But yeah. um, had plenty of jerseys, but it was like, if we don't have to. Well, yeah, I mean, if you don't have to destroy the jersey, I mean, they're they're not cheap pieces of, of uniform, if you will. Um, so it's always nice whenever at least that's considered and it. Yeah. Like I said, it, it legit made my day. Cause she came back out to the field later. Um, after that, you know, the, that guy had been x-rayed. They, they saw it, they set, they set the break and, uh, you know, he and came back out in street clothes. She just goes, just so you know, I'm so sorry, but we had to cut the Jersey off. But so, you know, we cut up the seam and I was like, Oh, you're the best. So I gave her a hug on the oh, side. Yeah. Then. <laughs> yeah, okay, at that point. I don't care. You're the best. <laughs> oh man but scott let's take it to a quick break when we come back we'll finish talking a little bit about convention and then um you know we can we can talk what what we're doing right now which is watching some playoff hockey and i'll tell you it's been it's been electric already this year for for the playoffs so we'll be right back All right, everybody, we are back, and we are going to continue uh, breaking down this virtual convention that we're all so excited for. But first, we have to give a shout-out to our boy Steve, WSI, coming in clutch, um, keeping Pat uh, clothed because no one wants to see that, and uh, <laughs> sending sending Pat and I some of their soft tech shirts. Steve talked about them on the pod. Um, I think I think the question was posed, what was your – one item that you know you you love to sell that that's your favorite thing that you sell. What is the one thing we all need to buy? And he said soft tech and soft tech and they're they're obviously they they do good heat gear and that's kind of what they're known for cold gear if you will. Um, but this soft tech stuff, man, Pat, you're wearing it right now. I wore the briefs yesterday. How do you compare it to just just for everyone that that can can relate to like a dry fit legend tee? Uh, it, I don't think it compares to a dry fit legend tee. It is the softest shirt I've ever worn. Where exactly. it, like it's it's like putting a cloud on your body. I mean, it, it's seriously it's it's beyond soft. They're so incredibly comfortable, and it's I, I mean, Steve Urbanak, you are you, you are a true gentleman for sending these to us, man. I uh, 
I, you know, sent out, I think I did like Instagram and Twitter posts on it just because there were, you know, it, one, I'm so appreciative of, of us getting these samples essentially sent to us. And, uh, two, I, I just, so, you know, Steve, we're going to be calling you. Uh, we want to work with you to do some, some merch for the podcast. Um, <laughs> I mean, these are just really, really nice. I say legend tee because that's kind of, I know under armor, everyone still calls it under armor, but that compression performance gear, think not cotton kind of started yeah. there, but the Nike legend tee is, is iconic in that everyone knows what it is. You order it usually for your athletes and it's a softer than cotton, like performance gear. This is yeah. definitely like a blend and that it's got some dry fit, stretchy material, but it is so much softer. It is ridiculous. It, it's not something that feels like it's going to shrink like, you know, legend tees do. This feels like a really high quality performance gear. Probably justifies the price point where we know legend tees are really cheap. This is a nicer material. But man, I, I just, I think I pulled it out of the package and it was in, pl- so it came in a box or not a box, sorry. It came in a shipping envelope. You open it up and it had plastic on it. As soon as I pulled out the plastic, I made my wife touch it. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> and it is, she said, that's really soft. So you put it on yeah, your Melinda box. already told me, she was like, so you're going to, you're going to buy me some of this, right? Like, legitimately. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's going to be, it's either going to be on my body or it's going to be taken and used as like sleeping clothes for my, for my wife. Cause it's so soft that it's, it's, um, it garners its price point. I'll say that it makes sense where you look at something and you think, Oh, this is just expensive. Because they're American-made, smaller company, they have higher overhead. No, this is quality nice. materials. It's really soft. And he sent us a, uh, a hooded T-shirt, which I'm a huge fan of. I'm wearing a short sleeve Nike hooded T-shirt right now. So he hit the nail on the head with sending us a hooded T-shirt, and then just a, their short sleeve tee in the same material, and a pair of briefs that it um, it's right up there with with something like uh, you equipment managers out there. It's up there with like uh, the two unders. From that Douglas uh, sells. Yeah, they're as comfortable as the two under. Obviously, they don't have the little Joey pouch, but yeah, like in terms of the the material, the fabric, it is just as soft, just as comfortable. And you know, I will I will say that what I can truly compare it to because I want to make this comparison. But like, you know, the that fifty fifty like poly cotton blend, like those t shirts. Um, think of that, but about a thousand times softer and more comfortable like the, those poly cotton shirts they do shrink because of the cotton in them mm-hmm. but this like i said it doesn't like you said it doesn't feel like it's going to shrink and it's like remember you know you're heading to college you're getting like the jersey material um like sheets where it's yeah like that soft it's yeah. it's almost similar to those where you or know like those were like, like super soft yeah, or like the Columbia like fishing shirts that are like the long sleeve shirts that as soon like it's like why did I do this? Because as soon as it gets wet, it sticks to your body because it's but it's really soft when it's dry. It's like why is this fishing gear? That kind of feels yeah yeah. It's Ooh. just I, yeah not not to spend the entire second half here talking about WSI, but I Steve, you're the man. Thank you so much, WSI. Love your guys' product. I will be coming back to. To continue buying stuff from you, just so you know, because this is um, this stuff's a real deal. Like one hundred percent, I will. Y- you've made a, a fan for life with with these these uh, couple of shirts and, and the briefs. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, you'll 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 be hearing from me too, and I, I don't even want to put the challenge out there. Like, hey, if you've got something softer, send it to us because I know you're not gonna. No one's gonna be able to do it, so don't don't waste your time. It's um, it's really soft. It's really good shirts. You'll be you'll be hearing from me as well. I think we already got the, the Twitter rolling up, and I think JD out at Wyoming's a fan as well. It sounds like so. Um, yeah, man. I mean, this stuff is good. I'm glad we had Steve on, and Steve appreciate you. And yeah, you'll be hearing from us. But we do want to get back in to the, <laughs> the ending bit of of convention um, and just kind of what this this summer is going to look like. Try to if you haven't signed up yet, I think you still can. Uh, the time you're hearing this, we're recording on Saturday, so this is going to be on Monday, the twenty what fourth. So go ahead and sign up for convention if you haven't, because I think there's enough good nuggets in here that that um, that there's going to be stuff to learn, and, and obviously CEUs are great. And in a time like this, I think our organization's probably not unlike a lot of other departments and things out there that they could use the the sign up fees. So support your organization. Let's get out there, going right into it, Pat. Um, Wednesday, 
it's scheduled for 1.30. This is where we left off, breakout sessions. Those are a little different than district, but breakout sessions, what was something that you really looked forward to when you went to these breakout sessions? I, I want to see more people talking about how we can get involved with the organization, how to better this organization. If we can have that conversation where let's get this younger generation, these guys coming up, these guys and girls coming up, sorry, these people that are about to graduate that have graduated, um, Mm -hmm. what can they do to get involved and try and continue to improve what's already been done, right? How can we make AEMA better? And I, that's, I hope that's the type of discussions that are happening. And two, what would really, you know, make me smile and, and just kind of, I guess, really brighten our day would, would be, hey, let's see some of these smaller school guys get to talk to maybe, you know, the, the sticks of the world, like the, the Jake, yeah. Jake Rosh and those guys. Like, I would love to see that type of communication happening because what can I do to be better? Or maybe even vice versa, where it's like, hey, you guys are doing a lot with, with a little. What's you know something that you guys do that maybe we never thought about? Yeah. You know I what think I mean? that's a really good, really good idea. I mean, I will say I think it's good that our, our board and the leadership within AMA is, and we'll get to more on that later, but it is a mix. Um, you've got small school people, even smaller than, than anywhere you or I have worked, um, but then you've got big school stuff out there too, bigger budgets. So though there's a unique um, – not a unique, but there's a diverse uh, view of college athletics within the board. But the breakout sessions for me, I mean, I went to an FCS breakout session where it was just FCS schools. And this was after my first year at JMU. So my first year at JMU, we had a 26-foot box truck, which is not unlike a lot of schools either own or rent to take their equipment to road games. And after that first year, we upgraded to a semi. And so – the big question for me that I wanted at this breakout session, and I, I did get good feedback, was, you know, a lot of our FCS stadiums are smaller. What do you guys do when you have a semi and you take it to these smaller stadiums? How are y'all managing? What's do you have any strategies? Anything you're looking forward? What do you do if you can't fit it in? You know, just looking for for ideas really. And a lot of the East Coast schools were like, yeah, no, I don't know. You know, the FCS schools in the East Coast, a lot of them don't have it. But you start getting into the Missouri Valley and and the big sky and those schools because of the distances are more likely to have these. And, and they had semis and I got some good ideas. And then we took our semi to the CAA and with good uh, equipment managers in the CAA that second year I was at JMU and, and the insight that that, that breakout session gave me, we were able to fit it in pretty much everywhere or find some way to unload and park it elsewhere. But anytime as an equipment manager, you can be ahead of, of planning and just be one step ahead. That's, that's a plus. These breakout sessions are good for that. If you're new at a school and you go to a breakout session, look for people, you know, if, if it's say G five or FCS, find people in your conference. If you didn't go to a district or if you've got people outside of your district in your conference, find people be like, what do I need to look for when I come to your school this year? Like get people, obviously this year is different, but you can usually corner somebody, say you're going to Texas this year and you're, you're playing somewhere in Texas that you don't usually play and you're at a school up in, in, in the you know the Northwest corner, of that guy that's at that Texas school that's there. Like, Hey man, what do I need to look out for? You're going to talk to these people week of, of the game, obviously, but it's anytime you can get with somebody in June and go ahead and get some planning going. It's great. It's, I think breakout sessions are useful. They're very, very similar to the district meetings. They're just a little more national. Yeah. You get people from, from all across the country in these breakout sessions. And I think that the idea to do this, it, it was a tremendous idea because it's not just your district. It's not just people that are local to you and you're really getting an idea of what equipment managers are doing across the country. So yeah, I mean, it, it should be uh, very informational. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, every now and then you get like those high school guys um, that are, that come to convention that are part of all of it. And I think that's awesome. You know, if they have that job, yeah, you'll love to see that. Um, So I hope that they're, you know, you see a bunch of those guys maybe be able to take part of it because, you know, obviously budget wise, they might not be able to do the same thing we're able to do, but they're still able to learn a lot. And 
having these breakout sessions where people can talk shop, mm-hmm. you're only going to come away better off. Yeah. You're really only going to learn more than, you know, what you did before or what you knew before, before convention. So I'm hoping these, these end up being really good. And there's, there's a lot of discussion, a lot of back and forth with guys. Um, and it's not just, hopefully not just like dead silence where everybody's like, Oh, no, they, I don't, don't know what you want me to say. There can be. And I encourage anyone that's on those that recognizes no one's talking to speak up because once someone gets the ball rolling, it really helps. The passing of information and sharing of ideas is huge, but and moving on from that, the last one of Wednesday, really the last big workshop, Thursday, where Monday's kind of just a introductory day. It's pretty light. Thursday's kind of a wrap-up day. So the last big thing is Wednesday afternoon um, is going to talk about the AEMA website and Sam Trustner, who, if you don't know, is our office manager, basically runs the, the office and administrative functions of AEMA. So he's going to talk about the website. Not sure what that's going to be. Uh, he might might talk about how it went down for like a month and nobody knew what the heck happened to it. Maybe um, he might uh, just when maybe we get into the website. <laughs> I just put it, a Scott in an awkward spot right there where he's like, uh, maybe I'm just going to glass right by this because uh, sure. Keep I, talking, I don't know. Keep I don't know what, um, know what you want me to say. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Sam. So he's gonna uh, keep it keep it going uh, with uh, talking about website functions. There's been talk in the past. He's come up at convention and talked about website rebrands. Maybe that's something we honestly don't know. We, we don't have any background information that we're hinting at for any reason. We're just glossing over it because it's on there. Um, but yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over it. I do want to talk on that really quickly, not in a bad way. I just, I'm hoping that there's a rebrand. That website is very underutilized and out of date. You know what I mean? So there are, there are things on there like we're, I mean, Scott, you talked about this where even when you went to to take your test a couple years ago, a few years ago, um, yeah. there were, you know, certain questions on there for like your practice exam where they're like, that's not going to be in the test. Why are you even asking that? And it's like, you literally have it on your website. So, yeah, there's things like that that obviously I think when you talk about we're equipment managers, um, we might not as an organization be the most tech savvy. Uh, and that's got to be. Um, we need to call on Larry Maples. Yeah, Larry's Larry's got to design our website. No, there's things that could be updated. I mean, there's obviously it's the website is what it is. But if it, with its faults, knowing that going in, if you're one of the young listeners, I encourage you to visit the website to join as a member to dig through there. There's there's forums that don't get used very often, but sometimes you might find a question there. There's the job postings that if you're only looking at Indeed, you're missing some stuff because there's some stuff that's kind of. I don't want to say under the table, but it, it doesn't officially hit like the university website, whether it's an internship or it's a GA or whatever the case may be. There's jobs that are hired through the AEMA website because you see a posting and it'll say call or email this person. So if you've got to be a member, uh, you got to be able to log in to see that portion and, and uh, view those posts. So sign up as a student member. If you're a student, I think it's 25 bucks a year. If you're an active uh I'm not sure if there's anything different for GAs. I, I never did it, so I'm, I'm sorry. But if you're an active member in the organization, it's like 100 bucks a year. Just sign up, be a member, and see some of the member-only stuff on the website where it's really job posting and forums is all. And the forums, you're better off just calling or emailing an equipment manager. Honestly, we don't really use the forums very much. But the, the job posting stuff is critical, especially for you young guys that are listening because you're going to be looking for jobs or you already are. So be a member, pay the dues, help the organization. Like Pat said, with the breakout sessions, maybe just be involved. And part of being involved is being on the website. And if we're going to have something at the convention where we're talking about the website, whether it be why it was down, how it's changing, what about it is you know, going to stay the same. If you're not familiar with it already, you're not going to get a lot out of that conversation. So get acquainted. Get in there. Yeah, just be part of the organization and if anybody and everybody that is an equipment manager out there should strive to try and make this organization better and make certification mean more. So whether or not you are about to graduate or you've been an equipment manager for 45 years, like be active. Try to do everything that you can with the minimal amount of time that you have as free time to, to just mm-hmm. to to 
make it better. I mean, it really, that's what we need. And, you know, we've talked so much about the certification process and what AEMA really means. And I just think that the more people that want to get involved, the more people that are trying to get involved, it's only going to, you know, push this into kind of a, a new era, if you will, for, for equipment managers. So, well, you, you take the test, you pass the test, you get the three letters, you know, you get your EMC equipment manager certified, right? And is it enough to do that and pay your dues? Sure. Um, should you strive to do more? Absolutely. And call this podcast and bring in people towards the organization, Pat and I's uh, contribution. But it's it's not. I don't think it's enough to stop and not uh, care because it's easy to to be a member, to be certified, and to show up to convention and then say nothing, do nothing, leave, and complain all year about how the organizations run if you're not happy with it or complain about, well, why don't we do more of this? Whatever it may be, um, you can do that, but you're not ever going to leave it better than you found it. Nothing's going to change about what you're, you're complaining about unless you bring new people into the organization and encourage them to be involved. It, it's not enough if we get a, a, you know, some marketing genius into the equipment world who's a certified member. If we don't encourage them to be involved and share their expertise and what they're good at, how, if we don't bring those strengths to the forefront of our organization, then we don't get the benefits of them. Yep. So I think it's important that we bring in and we recruit good people. We all know that student managers are the backbone of every program. They're going to be the backbone of this organization because they are our future members. So let's bring them in at an early age. Kids listening, sign up as a student member. And then once you become certified and you're an active member in the organization, be involved. Make a change if you see something change it. We'll continue adapting this organization and we'll be better in five, 10 years because of it. Exactly. But the last thing on there, um, I know we, like, you know, that's kind of like the last workshop, if you will, yep. but we have a new presidential election coming up for, for AMA. Um, uh, I think it was Cliff Perry who was in that position. Yep. And we are now in the process of looking for a new president. And I think this, you know, this is going to, it's an important decision. So, I mean, for the, for anybody that's, that's listening and, you know, doesn't really care about who's president. I mean, don't take it lightly, put somebody in there who might, you know, want to make change who might want to, to make the organization better. I'm not saying that there is a particular candidate out there who doesn't want to make it better because every single one, you're not running for president if you don't want to try and make things better and, and progress things for, for the organization. So, you know, I'm not. I'm not speaking ill of any person that is in that running, but what I want to see is, is a good outcome or not a good outcome, but a good turnout in terms of voting. Yeah. Get out there, please vote for it. A good turnout is indicative of a lot of good signs for the organization in terms of voting. It means people care. Um, People are paying attention. So at this last, this last day on Thursday, the big thing is, like Pat said, I mean, we're going to have the three presidential candidates there available for discussion and questions. So that, if you don't attend anything else, if you've already got enough CEUs because you've done quizzes and read journals and turned in student managers or done a thousand facilities tours, I don't know what you've done, but if you've got enough CEUs at this point, good on you. You need to attend that, and we need to. You need to hear what these presidential candidates have to say. We need to uh, ask questions. Um, see what ask stuff. a lot of questions. Yep. It's, this is probably your only chance to really do this before an election will happen for the for the new president AMA and the leadership going forward. So we just I just got on my soapbox and said be involved. Well, this is how you can be involved with minimal effort. Just Seriously, like it's it's what is it like thirty minutes or an hour of just sitting around and just asking questions? I mean, it's really. Ask questions, listen to what their responses are, listen to what other people are asking, and really just kind of pay attention. Take part in what is happening within the organization because if you don't know and you don't care, then, I mean, should you really, like, what are you It's two hours on a Thursday afternoon, and it's .3 CEUs, and we're not bringing politics in, but everyone's heard the the age-old term, if you don't vote, don't complain for the next four years, right? You don't. If you don't want to have a say, then don't complain about what happens in this country. 
Same can be said for if you're not going to vote or care about who gets presidency of the AEMA, well, then don't complain about how things are run. It's not all on the president. Obviously, we have a board and, and they make a lot of decisions, too. But the president is is who we're getting in there to try to influence how the board operates as well. And They're our voice. Yeah. I mean, it's if, if you want someone to 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 you know, make it mandatory that at every convention we have an ice cream station, but you vote for the candidate who doesn't want ice cream, well, then don't complain when you don't have ice cream at convention. By the way, if there is a candidate who wants ice cream stations at every convention, I will vote for you. Well, I was about to say, like, who wouldn't want to vote for that? So yeah. maybe maybe make that part of your platform and uh, you'll be president before you, you even know yeah. it. So Can we add a fourth candidate and it be me and I'll just run on the TCBY platform? There will be TCBY catered at every convention, and that's so, the only thing I care about. So Froyo too? Correct. Aren't they the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, when we get down to the brass tacks. Oh, my they? God. We're just going off the rails here. Folks, I think that might do it for us. I don't have a whole lot else to say. I'm sitting here watching some playoff hockey. Scott, uh, I got to get that in on the second half here because he's not a big um He's not a big hockey fan. He's trying to come around. He's starting to pay attention to it a little bit. He is starting to come around. I watched this one with him. I didn't know what was going on. The ref raised his hand a little bit. The guy scored. Listen, it's not an ODAA these days if Pat doesn't talk about hockey. A little bit. We'll wrap it up with this. A little bit going forward. Um, Pat started a new job. Congrats congrats to Pat. Everyone clap now. Applause break. And I uh, am in the process of moving. It's summer. Pat's going to hopefully take his lovely wife, Melinda, on a vacation. At some point, I'm going to be away from the computer for a little bit with moving and summer vacation type stuff. So uh, there may be a guest host. There may be an off week. We're not really sure what's going on at the moment. We don't have anything lined up for you know the next week or whatever. But if it's a little sporadic over the summer, that's why. Um, we will be back at full strength with a normal schedule once things kind of calm down between vacations, Pat's new job, my move, etc. So um, bear with us, and we'll keep you informed via Twitter. Yeah, enjoy your, uh, I don't know if you can even call it an off-season, but enjoy the little bit of time you might get away to spend with family or maybe the, the earlier uh, evenings that you get to leave the equipment room um, but yeah, you know, thanks again for, for sticking with us, uh, through all of this. It's been a little over a year now. Scott and I still love doing this. We've had so much fun with it and we've had some incredible guests. We want to keep that going. Uh, so as we, as we continue to go through this and, and grow, uh, don't hesitate to reach out if you want to be part of it or you have any ideas for us for, for future podcasts, future episodes, we would love to hear from you guys, um, you know, this is such a, a great community, such a great industry that, uh, you know, at least Scott's a part of now and I used to be a part of. We love it. We love being able to talk about it. So we definitely want to keep this going for another year and another couple of years for that matter. Uh, so thank you guys so much. And we'll we'll see you next week with another episode that we don't know what it's going to be yet. <laughs> Absolutely. Feel free to tweet us how much you hate Pat. We'll see you. <laughs>